My goal this morning is for us to faithfully walk through this passage together and encourage all of us to consider, all of us to consider God's calling on our lives and to step out in faith, even when we only know the first step. It was so cool to listen to the, the lesson this morning as, uh, as Sam was sharing with us and just we all were discussing. Uh, we're all in it this morning. It's all about uh, that. And so you're going to either get a repeat or affirmation of what God's been teaching you. And so um, I hope that's the case for us this morning. Let me read this starting in Acts uh, 8 verses 26. It says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. That's important. And he rose and went and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and returning seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was like this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before it shears silent. So he opens not his mouth in his uh, humiliation. Justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And he went, uh, and, and when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Well, let's pray this morning together. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we are gathered here this morning for, uh, for one reason. It's to um, bring glory and honor to your name. We do that by uh, digging into the scripture, um, by uh, going through this process where we see the gospel unfolding um, over and over and over again, where we understand who we are in our sin, who you are in our holiness, and that we can have um, unity with you through the death of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that we would understand that. Lord, as we dig into your word, I pray that we can become more like you. That as we um, see these truths, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would allow us to understand more deeply, even if it's something that we've heard a hundred times. I pray there's a fresh, um, a fresh word for us this morning, that you would allow us to understand you and live uh, like you were calling us to live. We love you and ask all of these things in your precious name. Amen. So far in Acts, and, and like I've been told, um, in the Acts of the Apostles, we've seen mass conversions, right? We've witnessed 3,000 souls being saved at Pentecost. Uh, we've seen Peter, you remember, heal a lame beggar in front of the temple. And through that situation, huge numbers of people gathered around and Peter had the opportunity to share the story of the risen Christ. 
We've seen crowds converted. We've seen this church start to explode by the masses. But today's text is different, right? Today's text is different. Rather than seeing a massive number saved, we see one man being changed eternally by the power of the Holy Spirit through the obedience of one man. Uh, Rachel and I, like, uh, like Weston said, we, I'm on staff at Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee, a large church. And we, uh, we came on staff uh, in March. And so this is kind of new for us, this church, even this size. And so we um, had the opportunity to go to the Easter service and we were participating. And, and at the end of the service, uh, as, the, as the pastor gave an incredible word um, uh, and, and a call to, to the altar to, uh, to receive salvation um, for those who were being called by, by God, um, 90 people in our service alone came to receive Christ. Genuine, genuine um, acts of obedience and, and salvation. Um, I was talking with the staff afterwards, and they said every single service was the same. We probably had over 300 people uh, give their lives to Christ this weekend. It was incredible and something Rachel and I, my wife, had never experienced. I can remember, uh, think about the Billy Grand Crusade. Some of you have probably uh, been. I remember when I was a child, I remember going. It's beautiful, right? It's biblical. But is it prescriptive of how God wants us to lead all people to repentance, to faith, and to salvation? No, I don't, I don't think so. God has certainly gifted and empowered certain people uh, to be major influencers. But is that the only space in which God can move in His redemptive power? I think there's something here for all of us this morning uh, in this rich testimony found in Acts. In fact, just as God called Philip to rise and go, He is calling us to rise and go, whatever that may look like. He's calling every person who has come alive in Christ to rise and go, empowered by the Spirit and equipped with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God calls us to be His witnesses, and there's no power of a witness without words or without action. Let me say that again. God calls us to be His witness, but there's no power of a witness without words without action. Therefore, we must rise and go when God calls us. It's hard though, right? I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message. That's hard. Like it's easy to say, but it's hard to be obedient. Um, honestly, I think the biggest struggle in that sometimes we don't know every detail of God's plan from the very beginning. See, we are a people who are obsessed with having control over our situation and forget that we serve a sovereign God. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school. And it was so incredible to sit there and listen and stuff. This is, this is right where we are. We are a people who are obsessed with having control. And we don't want to empty out ourselves, right? We don't dare want to feel like we're weak or we're emptied out. But, but what Scripture is saying is that in that weakness, we become strong because God is the one who controls everything. We serve a sovereign God who is in control. So even when we don't know every detail to the plan, God does. God does. We say, yes, God, I love you. I trust you. But let me know every detail before I say yes. Some advice that I've received from other church planters, uh, not Brother Kevin, um, is to start with the end in mind. This is good advice for business, for uh, parts of ministry. Start with the end in mind. What is God wanting to, you to accomplish? Figure out that and then work backwards from there. Y'all have heard this. Now think about how ridiculous that sounds for, uh, for a believer sometimes. There's certain aspects of ministry where this is and can be a proper approach, right? Especially business and other things. But is this typically the way in which God works and moves through His people to accomplish His purposes? Think 
on the times. Right now, stop what you're doing and just think on the times in which God has called you to be obedient. Follow Him. Think of something very specific that you know that God has called you to do. Maybe it was to lay aside your pride and finally ask a neighbor to go to church with you. By the way, I'm still working on a neighbor of mine that needs to come to church. Um, I told Weston before, and I said, Weston's going to be the only one that gets that. Weston's my next door neighbor. Um, maybe it was to go on a mission trip. Maybe you've been in this situation where God was calling you to a mission trip, but you had no idea how you were going to support yourself to go. Maybe it was to speak boldly to a friend or a coworker, a family member about their need for salvation, even when you didn't know the outcome. Or watch this, how it would affect your relationship. Did he outline every detail for you? Did he show you the outcome? No, by faith you rose and you followed him. You said yes to God. You trusted that he would provide in your obedience. And time after time he did and he did and he does. Sometimes he just gives us a little bit and we have to continue to say yes until we see this grand picture of what God's trying to accomplish in our life. God simply told Philip to go down to the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's it. That's all he told him. And what happened? He rose and he went. Rachel and I have started to talk with people about church planting. Uh, you can probably imagine some of the responses we get when we ask people to pray about uprooting their lives here and become a missionary with us to L.A. You can probably imagine some of the responses. But then there are some. There are some who have said yes. Not because I cast vision well, but because they prayed and asked God and he told them to rise and go and they did. My first point uh, this morning is to take the first step. Just simply take the first step. The first thing I want us to see is that God is leading Philip every step of the way. We have the benefit of knowing the end of the story, right? But for Philip, God was just giving him one step at a time. Verse 26 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Step one, take the first step. Just go. At this point, Philip doesn't even know why he's going. There could be a million different reasons, right, that he is going. Some, he, he might even be afraid, what is this going to do? Is this going to harm me? Is this going to be beneficial to me? What? He, he has no idea. But God tells him to go, and he goes. Rachel and I have a very similar testimony. If you'd allow me just a, a moment to share what God's been doing in our life. We knew that God was calling us to missions. We didn't know exactly what that looked like. Um, we didn't know step two, but we said yes to step one. Then God stirred our affections towards church planning. We didn't know when or where or how, but we said yes. So we prayed. We continued to be equipped. We sought guidance for this call. We researched, prayed over, and even visited multiple areas that we felt God might be calling us to. Pretty soon, God shifted our focus towards Los Angeles. We started to see a stark disparity between the number of churches um, from where we are from, uh, from there. For example, the ratio of Southern Baptist churches to people in Tennessee is one church to every 2,000 people. In L.A., it's one church to every 23,000 people. The specific area in which we're planting has a five-mile radius of about a million people. So think about that. It's about a five-mile radius, about a 15-minute drive radius, 
about a million people radius, zero English-speaking Southern Baptist churches. Think about that. Our association in Murfreesboro alone has 60. So we said yes, not knowing how we would get there or who would go with us. Then all of a sudden, a man named Robbie Gallaty, a pastor um, of Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Hendersonville, heard our story. We did not uh, approach him or seek him out. He sought us out. God spoke to him and he sought us out. He sought us out and asked us to consider doing a year-long residency with him and sending us a year later with a strategy, a team of people, uh, significant financial support. And oh, by the way, Kevin Ezell and, and NAM, the North American Mission Board, wants to buy you a house to live in uh, for this year while you're here. This was the easiest. <laughs> so we prayed, but, but we said yes. In the following months, we traveled again to L.A., where we were assessed and approved by the North American Mission Board as missionaries to Los Angeles. You've got to understand, this is one of literally a dozen different stories so far of how people who have said yes to God and to us without knowing the rest of their story. Everyone who has joined our team so far has been overwhelmed by God's goodness and His leading in their lives. It's been incredible. Going back to Acts, Philip is obedient even though he doesn't know what's next. He says yes to step two, that step one without knowing step two. There's a real tangible faith here uh, that doesn't really make sense to us. But what if we responded with that type of obedience? Number two, trusting God's sovereignty. Point number two, trusting God's sovereignty. Verse 29 says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. This is an awesome moment. So this was an Ethiopian eunuch, right? He was on his way back to Ethiopia from Jerusalem. This was about a five-month journey. Five-month trip each way. And this is through the desert. So he's an Ethiopian. He's an African. I think this is huge because the gospel is starting now beginning to span into different ethnic group, people groups. This man is probably wealthy. Most likely he's a God seeker. Um, he's trying to understand who God is. He's also the one in charge of the queen's treasury. And because he works so closely with the queen and her court, he is a eunuch. This is very important. He is a eunuch. Because he was a eunuch, he was labeled as unclean. Um, and he was denied access to the temple. According to Deuter Deuteronomy, he was denied access even to the assembly of God. But as he's starting his journey back, God sends him Philip. And the Holy Spirit now directs Philip to go to him. To go over and join his chariot. This is an amazing act of sovereignty. I, I, God knew exactly when to send Philip. And he arrives at just the right time. This is no coincidence. We heard some of the prophecies about some of the prophecies this morning in Sunday school. This was no coincidence. When he arrives, he hears this man reading the scroll of Isaiah. Not just any place, but Isaiah 53. God prompted him to read through the passage at this time, just as he had prompted Philip to be there. Let me read this passage, just a, a snippet. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as, as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we have seen him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we have seen him stricken 
smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Who is this man? He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. The purpose of this section in Isaiah is to bring to light the innocence of Jesus Christ and the wickedness and sinfulness of man. What a perfect place to start this conversation. Not only that, but the Ethiopian asked the perfect question. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom... I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? The latter. <laughs> about someone else. I'm speaking about Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the joy Philip felt, experienced as he considers the power of God in this moment, in this time? Oh, what a God we serve. God led him straight to this man. He said yes to go from the road that leads to Jerusalem to Gaza. And now he's in this place where he is now understanding God's role in this purpose, right? God led him straight to this man. God was working in Philip's life and no doubt working in the heart of the Ethiopian. Guys, this is true for us today. If you haven't experienced this, this is hard. Listen, if you haven't experienced this, chances are you're not saying yes to God when he calls. You wonder why your life is dry and seems void of the presence of God and his moving in your life. Maybe it's because you keep telling him no. Maybe because you fail, you fail to ask My last point, speak the boldness, speak the truth with boldness. Speak the truth with boldness. Verse 35 says, then Philip opened his mouth. I love this. And beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and this is the best, and went on his way rejoicing. God does not need to tell Philip what to do next, right? He opens his mouth, and out comes the gospel. The Bible tells us he starts with Isaiah, the, the Isaiah text, and through a series of texts, explains who Jesus is and what he did. And no doubt, he tells this man that he is a sinner in need of forgiveness. No doubt, he tells uh, this man how God, through his mercy and grace, has made forgiveness possible through the death of Christ. And all this they did as they traveled. Now, in another act of sovereignty, as soon as Philip led this man to trust Christ as his Lord, they drive alongside a small body of water. Can you sense the joy in the Ethiopian now? You've got the joy. You can sense the joy in Philip. Can you now sense the joy coming from the Ethiopian? Here was a man who, by all intents and purposes, should not have been saved. He was from a cursed ethnic group. He was a eunuch denied access to the temple. He was on a lonely desert road heading back to a pagan land. And he had every right to be angry at God and disgruntled at the church. But God had placed his affections upon this man this day. Do you remember back in verse 26, this journey from Jerusalem to Ethiopia? Five-month trek through a desert. This is important. Think about it. The reason he was baptized right away wasn't to save him, as some might believe. He's just been saved, but it was because there was going to be a five-month journey through a desert in which water was extremely scarce. 
He's going back to a very lost place with just the word of God to disciple him into this next season of life. I was going to bed last night. And I was thinking about Philip's journey uh, of faith and obedience. And something hit me like uh, a ton of bricks. In a way, this was the unit's first step of obedience and faith as well. This was his first step of obedience. Just like uh, when God called Philip to go, this was his first step, right? And he cries out, I want to follow Christ and be baptized. Maybe there are some here this morning who profess this is a tangent, but maybe there are some here this morning who profess to be believers in Christ, but have yet to follow through with baptism. See, baptism signifies our first step of obedience. Maybe there are some here this morning who need to be bold enough to take that first step uh, this morning and talk with someone saying, hey, I want to take this step of obedience. Verse 39 says, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. I love this. I'm almost done, so listen close. This is important. I'm not sure, and we're not told, but I have to think this man kept reading Isaiah. And I have to think he read a few more chapters with passion as he was rejoicing in what God has done in his life. And if he did, he would have quickly gotten to Isaiah 56. Three chapters later where it says this in verse 3. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Amen. Amen. Tradition has it this man went home to Ethiopia sharing the gospel. And many in that land, foreigners and eunuchs alike, became followers of Jesus Christ through the testimony of this man. Can I challenge you with something as I close? For those here today who are unbelievers, God has brought you here in this place for a specific time, a specific purpose, in a specific way. If you are not a believer, if you are doubt, doubting in your faith this morning, God has brought you here for a specific reason. Do not miss this opportunity to respond to Him in faith. For those of you here who have faith in Christ, yet struggle to see God's moving in your life, to see God's calling in your life. Maybe you're in a dry season and we've all been there, but maybe you're in that season right now. Maybe this morning you would simply ask God, where, who, and what are you calling me to, Lord? Just simply asking that question. I was in a, um, a, a, a conference type of a, a session called Secret Church here a couple of weeks ago um, at my home church. And David Platt was there speaking and he said, I want to challenge everyone before you go home today to ask yourself self, this one question. God, where are you calling me to go? What are you calling me to do? See, we failed to ask that question because God wants to answer that question. But when we fail to ask, God does not tell us. Maybe this morning you would simply ask who where, what are you calling me to? Maybe a friend or maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's across the street to a neighbor or maybe it's to L.A. For those of you in the middle of this journey, press on. Some of you are right smack dab in the middle of it. Some of you have said yes 
You've risen and you've gone and you're currently doing it. I just pray this morning that you would be encouraged to press on, to keep going, even though you don't know the end of the story, the author of salvation does. So you can follow him with confidence as you go.